The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. going on TFA fam hope you're all doing well tonight we're going to get into some of the second year running backs obviously right now the NFL draft the rookies that is the hotness but let us not forget about this group of second year running backs that was really good last year and some we definitely need to keep be keeping in our minds as we look toward the 2021 NFL draft and redraft and everything that's coming up so, boys, before we start it, uh, you know, let's let's just chit chat a little bit. Tell me, tell me something good. Tell me something good that's going on, and then we'll uh, we'll jump into this and start chopping it up about the the second year running backs. Well, I'm a little pumped up. We got a little look see at uh, Kev's baby. We got a little update. We've been waiting for the update on little Aria. So, Kev, thanks for tossing that out to the group. Yeah, you know, hey, I, I'm here for the people. A man, a man of the people. You know, got to give uh, random updates. She's uh, she's doing well. She's uh, almost six months. In a couple of weeks, she'll be six months old. So, start eating a little bit of uh, solid food. So, you know, so uh, things are going well there. It's still weird having a, a baby after you've been so long. You know, because I have my uh, nine year old, so he doesn't really so much care for. Her, but uh, you know, he's nine, so <laughs> you don't you don't have him changing diapers or anything yet. Uh, uh-uh, he ain't about that lot. <laughs> Got to train him up. Got to train him up. You know, yeah. my uh, my two year old threw a plastic chair at me yesterday. So that's did just, you beat his ass? Dude, he's just no. a monster. Just he turned it up to you and he said, "Time, would you like another? Are you gonna shape up, Dad? Would you like another?" I, I don't know, but I don't know how your guys were raised. But like when you guys were kids, but I know when I was a kid, I used to get my ass beat with a belt. 
I've never, I've never used a belt ever, but it's just, but I, I have flashbacks. I remember what it was like. And, you know, my dad used to always say my, my belt loves buttholes. So, <laughs> and it did, it did, it definitely did. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I used to get my ass beat on the fucking regular, but he's got it good. I've never, I think, I think in his whole life, I think I've like smacked him on the ass like twice, you know, and it was like a, a pat on the ass. It cert- certainly wasn't, you know, anything aggressive, but so, you know, sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes you got to, you got to let them know. Yeah. The, the, the changing, uh, the changing of the times, no more board of education. It's probably a safe move, Kev. Oh, for sure. For sure. But I've been lucky. Cause he's actually like, I know a lot of people say that about their kids, but like, he's actually been like, a, a, he's a pretty good kid. Like I've never, he's never gotten in trouble. Like he's scared to get in trouble in school. He gets straight A's. So I don't know where he got, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. <laughs> okay. But I appreciate the uh, sharing of the story. Now we have the title of this podcast, which is my belt loves buttholes. So that'll, <laughs> that'll be our, our second title with butthole in it, you know, going flashback to, to about a year ago. So Guys, let's uh let's let's dive right into this and start talking about these guys. So we are pulling ADP information from Best Ball Tens, going back for uh for a month since the beginning of February, and this is how things stand right now. And then we'll kind of talk about how we rank these players going forward for you know for for twenty twenty one. And then Robbie, I want to ask you about your dynasty rank with these guys too. While while we're at it. So Jonathan Taylor, the first running back out of the second year group coming off at RB6 at 5.8. We have Akers at RB9, 14.2 is his ADP. DeAndre Swift at RB12, 19.7. James Robinson, RB13, 20.37. J.K. Dobbins, RB14, 21.53. Gibson coming in at RB17 at 26.54. Clyde RB eighteen at thirty point three six, and then the the kind of the forgotten children of this group AJ Dillon RB twenty seven at sixty five point seven eight, and then lonely lonely Keyshawn Vaughn pour one out RB sixty three with an ADP of two fifteen. Robbie, I'll just throw it to you real quick. Just just give me a, a quick rundown of how you would rank these guys for dynasty, and then we'll start chopping it up about how we're looking at these guys specifically for the 2021 season. Yeah. Uh, sad to see that uh, some people's running back one, Zach Moss did not make uh, our list. I'm sure he'd be somewhere down there with Keyshawn Vaughn, but yeah, for dynasty, uh, I kind of tiered him out because there's still a lot to shake out right with the uh, free agency and the NFL draft. So right now I have uh, Jonathan Taylor and Deandre Swift in my tier one, um, I just really like their projections with their teams and their workloads. I think they're both very safe. Um, we can dive into all these guys a little bit more specifically, but next tier is Gibson and Akers. Um, Akers obviously showed out his last four weeks and, and Gibson had uh, a really impressive year um, for the Washington football team. Next tier, I have CEH and Dobbins, you know, guys that a um, little bit up and down for CEH. Uh, Dobbins really came out hot with a lot of touchdowns in his last six games. Uh, next tier down below that, we have James Robinson and A.J. Dillon, uh, both guys that, uh, well, one had an amazing year. One kind of uh, is that potential up-and-comer. Both have a little bit question marks of what's going to happen in their backfields. Um, so we'll see if they rise um, once all this shakes out in the offseason. And then we have Keyshawn Vaughn and Zach Moss down there in the bottom tier. But uh, Keyshawn Vaughn's definitely a guy that I like as a bargain bin uh, buy right now. I don't think I would I would change too much of that for for dynasty purposes. I think I would I would have Clyde 
probably a little higher than I think I would flip flop Acres and Swift, but it's it's all super close. And that's just such a it was such a good group that we we had last mm-hmm. year. Uh, Kev, let's go to you, man. For twenty twenty one again, this is how it's looking for. I'm just gonna rattle off the names real quick for for ADP purposes. Taylor, Acres, Swift, Robinson, Dobbins, Gibson, Clyde, Dylan, and Vaughn. Do you rank these any differently for twenty twenty one? Uh, I would have it for redraft purposes. It'd be Taylor, Akers, Gibson, Robinson, Swift, Ceh, Dobbins. But they're all really close. So it seems like, oh, well, why are you so low on this guy? But for me, like, I think you could probably put them all in your top fifteen to eighteen and feel and feel you know overall of all running backs, and that that's how high these, a lot of these guys are going to go. So uh, I think they're all super close, and I think you know with some things to shake out to figure out what you know. Um, you know, certain situations like who's going to be the quarterback for Washington uh, really will matter. You know, what is Detroit going to do for weapons? Because, you know, are they going to bring Kenny Galladay back if they don't? They don't have Marvin Jones. So as of right now, they have no fucking wide receivers because Danny Dole is also a free agent. So uh, it's it's tough times there with Jared Goff, a quarterback. You know, what does that do? I know there's been this, the talk of they're going to get him 25 touches, but if they're behind in every single game, he ain't getting 25 touches. J.K. Dobbins. I love the player, but I'm still really uh, – I'm not as high on him, I think, as other people are going to be because with Lamar Jackson still running as much as he does, it's just going to lower his ceiling a little bit. And I think that you'll probably see Gus Edwards come back. And so with with him, like he's going to split touches with J.K. Dobbins, and I just don't think he's going to get the, the full workload that I think everybody wants him to. Not to mention the fact that he wasn't used as a pass catcher at all last year. Yes, I, I was definitely surprised to see Dobbins – I mean, not that out of this group RB5 is high, but – Sitting at RB14, that that 21.53 ADP, I would definitely have Gibson and Clyde ahead of him because of the things you mentioned. I mean, last year, if you look at his stats for in terms of the passing game, which you kind of just mentioned there at the end, Kev, 24 targets was 51st in the league and didn't even average two per game. And then you're talking about, you know, he's probably going to be splitting carries, not just with Lamar Jackson, but they're probably going to have another running back in there, whether it's Edwards, Justice Hill, they draft somebody. I don't think J.K. Dobbins is going to be the guy who just completely, you know, runs that backfield by himself. So out of this group, he's the one that I would have, you know, at the bottom before we get to guys like Moss, Dylan, and and Vaughn. I, I was a little surprised to see that he was that high. And then, you know, guys like Gibson and Clyde, we're sitting at RB17 and RB18, respectively. I think that's a good guy to kind of discuss a little bit because, Kevin, I was surprised you had Gibson as high as you did because I, I have him that high as well. And I think it's it's just because of what he was able to do on the 30 ranked, 30th ranked uh, Washington football team offense. Um, so he has 11 touchdowns, average 4.7 yards per carry. You know, his receiving is split with J.D. McKissick, but – you got to assume that he's going to continue to to command more here in his second year. Um, 170 carries. People think, and maybe it's just just what I think people think, but I feel like they they see Gibson and they're like, oh, pass catching guy. He's going to be a smaller guy. No, he's six two two twenty. Like this guy is a full three down back, right? So um, I expect his carries to go up. He he missed a handful of games. What was it? I think he missed two or three games. Um, so yeah, 11 rushing touchdowns like this guy, if they resign Brandon Schreff uh, on the offensive line, uh, it's going to have one of the better offensive lines there. If they can get something figured out a quarterback. I mean, they had one of the worst quarterbacks and one of the worst offenses we saw in the league. So he, we can, 
we've seen him do it with a bad offense. What can he do if that offense even takes a little bit of a step forward or he gets more work? I think his, his only way to go is up. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a really, really exciting prospect. I mean, he was also, as you mentioned, like he didn't get as many uh, targets, obviously, as yeah, JD. Uh, he didn't get as many targets as JD McKissick, obviously, but still, forty-four targets in his rookie year, only playing forty-seven percent of the snaps. Um, you know, I'm perfectly okay with that. He was ninth in yards per route run, which was which was impressive. Thirteenth in evaded tackles, sixteenth in yards created, and fifteenth in yards created per touch. So there's a lot to like with him, and like you mentioned, that offense, I still think uh, has some room to grow. You know, Terry McLaurin balled out. You know, I think they add another wide receiver this year to go along with him. Logan Thomas really took it. I mean, just came out, kind of came out of nowhere uh, for the brand. The guy we talked about probably more than any player last year, every single week, it was Logan Thomas week uh, and to Adam and, you know, waivers. But um, I don't think we'll ever have a guy that we talked about that many weeks in a row. Uh, but, you know, I digress. But overall, I just think he, it was a really solid season for him. And I think people are just a little bit too low on him. And some of it could be because of the offense, they do, because of the uncertainty right now. We don't know who's going to be a quarterback. Not that it should matter because, I mean, last year we're talking about Dwayne fucking Haskins and, um, you know, the the possibility of Alex Smith last year. So I hope they can actually find like, a you know, an actual quarterback to uh, to guide this offense. I know they brought Taylor Heineke back, but I don't think he's going to be the starter. Uh, so we'll see what happens. You know, there's still a, you know a couple. Of, you know, free agency comes in a couple of weeks. So I think that's probably more to do with why he's lower. I think we'll find. I wouldn't be surprised if he's going in the, among top 12 running backs probably by the time the uh, you know once we get to July and August. And the craziest thing with Gibson is that was his first full year playing the running back position, running back only. Like if if he can like not that he's going to you know make leaps and bounds as a running back but even if he can just improve slightly i think that's going to mean big things for him and then i i'm going to go out on a limb i'm going to have my first bold take of the of the uh the offseason jd mckissick will not have 110 targets again write it down we'll come back we'll revisit this video but that's going to be my first one going out on a limb here J.D. McKissick will not lead running backs in targets or have triple-digit targets again. Getting getting wild. Bold take for sure. Not quite a nuts on the table hot, but uh, bold nonetheless. No, like I, I'm starting to pull down the zipper. They're they're not on the table, but I, I'm I'm preparing that the, the zipper is coming down. The the buttons are are popping off, but nothing nothing is showing yet. That's you know a little little teaser. I think is what we uh, what we call it here in the industry. So. Uh, just real quick to talk on JT. Is he by far and away your top guy here? Like, is that is that like pretty simple? Like, is is there any way that you could talk yourself into Acres or Swift or one of these other guys ahead of him, or is he just you know foregone conclusion number one out of this group, and that's it? I just feel like he doesn't have a lot of things that scare you, and that's what makes a running back one for me. It's do you have questions with? with their, their offensive system? Do you have questions with um, who else is in the backfield? Do you have, you know, what, what are your questions with him? And, you know, for the first half of the year, we had a lot of questions, right? He's, he's splitting carries. He's not getting the, the workload that we thought he would. And then second half of the season, he flips that script. You know, he only actually hit uh, 60% of the snaps in three of his 15 games. So I think he has an opportunity to kind of take more uh, of a command in that backfield, a lot of room to grow in his volume. He had 232 carries and 39 targets. So let's say he ups that just a little bit, that that target share um, and that workload share. We could be seeing a guy that is getting, you know, 300 touches total and, and just has a nice floor as he's not a 
quote unquote receiving back that's going to have maybe 50 catches, but he's going to be maybe more in that Josh Jacobs range where he has 30 to 35. Um, and, and he has uh, just a, a large rushing floor on top of that to get you into that running back one status. Kev, I saw you shaking your head. Uh, who would be the guy that you could possibly put on top of, uh, of JT here and take that throne from the King? I think it'd be Cam Akers. I think his spot is just as good as as what as what Jonathan Taylor's in. Like he's going to be locked in over the second half of the season. I mean, Cam Akers really uh, came on. Uh, I think he proved that he is going to be the lead back here in this and moving forward. Adding Matthew Stafford into that offense is going to be absolutely huge. Um, I, I think that you know, seeing and really just what Cam Akers was able to do. I know there was a, this big narrative last year surrounding him about the offensive line and Daryl fucking Henderson. But, uh, you know, we, we, we've debunked that, and we know now that uh, Cam Akers is, is the truth and is the, is the real deal. And so I think he's right. He should be considered right there with him. I still think John Taylor deserves to be, of all this group, the number one guy. Uh, but I don't think Cam Akers is all that far off in terms of, you know, upside and his ability. Because, you know, there's some question marks as well with Indy. I mean, their offensive line took a couple of hits this year, especially with um, Costanzo retiring. Uh, the, the, you know, the, that's a pretty big hit. The kind of the staple there on among the offensive line, you know, how are they going to, you know, I'm sure they'll address it either in the draft. I know they have a ton of money um, to uh, in free agency. So they're going to be able to do some stuff with that, but you know, overall, you know, we'll see. And we'll, how does Carson Wentz affect all this? If Carson Wentz looks like Carson Wentz last year, we can have some problems here, boys. Like, you know, cause he was so terrible last year, but um, I do expect Carson Wentz to take us up board, so I think that this could be a good good thing. But it, there there is something to consider too. Like Philip Rivers, as we know, loves to pepper those running backs, loves to pepper running backs with targets. And I don't know if you're going to see the same thing. Like uh, Carson Wentz is not a guy who's going to, you know, just pepper the, the 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 running back. So I think that could lower their pass catching volume as a whole. And then in terms of Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor, and if Jonathan Taylor is this target is just a one a first second down back, and they continue to continue to utilize Neem Hines as the third down back, and he's not seeing those kind of first and second down targets, I think that could hurt Jonathan Taylor a little bit. Not 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 drastically, but I do think overall, I think it's something to keep keep in mind and something to monitor with him. So I, I would be a little bit concerned with that as a guy like, but like I said, I think Cam Akers uh, deserves to be in the, the conversation. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely in that conversation. I, I think what you just hit on for a worry for Jonathan Taylor is my worry for Cam Akers. He didn't have... The, and obviously he, we waited till the last four weeks to see his full volume, uh, but the passing volume um, wasn't quite there. Now with Matthew Stafford there, I think that is what really brings him up into this tier for me. He'd be a, a definitely farther down if Matt Stafford wasn't his QB, um, just because we, we didn't quite see that same receiving floor uh, that we saw from Jonathan Taylor. So that's just why I have Taylor uh, a couple spots ahead. But yeah, you're right. That next guy in redraft for me is Cam Akers. The crazy thing with Akers, too, just that Rams offense as a whole is we didn't really see any running back take, uh, you know, a bunch of those targets. And that was the one of the things that kept Gurley as the RB1 for three years in a row was his involvement in the passing game. Like we didn't see those screens being set up. So hopefully they get back to that because Akers definitely has that that three, you know, that three down workhorse ability. And hopefully we see him u- utilize more in the passing game this uh this year as opposed to as opposed to last year we already talked about you know we talked about jt talked about acres a little bit talked about gibson uh deandre swift is another guy who 
he he showed a bunch of flashes, right? But like you have some dynasty guys putting him as the RB one in this class. Obviously, his uh, his ADP, you know, sitting at RB 12, 19.17 per best ball tens over the past month. He's someone who I think is just like just getting this this really big bump. You know, we, we see this with with guys every single year. It's just like, oh, shit, like, you know, he had an OK season, but like he's jumping up to this spot. Obviously, part of it is the 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 thirst at running back and just how quickly that dries up. Kevin, you were talking about one of the underdog drafts you did before we uh, we jumped on here. Do any of you guys have any uh, any worries with DeAndre Swift? Uh, you know, just in terms of I, I guess everything really. Like, I'm not necessarily worried about on Johnson. I think this is uh, similar to an Acres Henderson situation where swift is by far and away the best running back point point black period like we can put this this conversation to rest swift is going to be the guy um but just like you know we're talking about golf and the weapons and you know what's what's going on with that do, do you guys feel that 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 jump all the way to you know like i said dynasty rb1 out of this particular out of the 2020 group and jumping all the way up to RB12, do you think that's warranted? Or are you worried about that price at all? What are your just, I guess, your, your general feelings on Swift? I'll jump in quick here. Um, I like him better in Dynasty than in Redraft, and I think it's for that reason. You, you talk about being worried about some of these things. I mean, we're not really sure what a, a Dan Campbell, Anthony Lynn with a Jared Goff at, at the helm offense really looks like. Like, I have no idea what that could be. Um, but like Kev said at the beginning of the show, Swift could be like the only dynamic weapon outside of Hawkinson that they have with everybody else exiting. I'm sure they'll probably draft someone, bring somebody in, but you would expect a lot of this offense probably runs through him, whether it's through the air or on the ground. And with just carry on Johnson there, AP is a free agent. I probably, I don't think they'll bring him back. What's, what's scary is, is his, um, was his touchdowns last year. I didn't realize he got to 10. He had uh, two rushing touch or two receiving touchdowns, eight rushing. So he had 10 touchdowns, which really propped him up along with um, close to 50 receptions. And that's why he had, you know, such a good year. Um, but his carries were so low. He did miss three games, but his carries were just extremely low. I think he was averaging eight a game. We never really saw that pop at the end of the year. Like we saw for JK Dobbins, like we saw for acres, like we saw for Jonathan Taylor, we didn't see his carries kind of shoot up like the rest of these guys. I do think that happens with AP out because AP was just getting, he'd get 20 carries in some games and just running into the line uh, time after time. Uh, I think Swift starts to take some of that. Um, so there is some worry, but dynasty wise, he is up there for me. I had him and JT as my top two guys in the top tier, but yeah, redraft. I'm going to need some coaxing in this first year. I think he'll be good, but um, there's definitely a lot of question marks. I just don't think that we really know. I think that's probably the, the biggest issue is the unknown and the fear of the unknown uh, for him. And taking him at RB12 is a little uh, – that's a pretty steep hill to swallow for him. But, I mean, we, we know how dynamic he was. He was dynamite in the passing game, which is something that, you know, heading into last year that we were really excited about. But um, he was efficient as, as a pass catcher. I think he was like eighth in yards per route run. Uh, you're, but you're right. He really didn't get like a ton of opportunities. He started to get more over the second half of the season and really down the stretch. From week nine, he had 13, 16, 7, 15, 10, and 12 uh, carries and had at least, you know, four, five targets in every game but two over that stretch as well. But, you know, you, that's still not what you're looking for from a workhorse back, right? Like you're looking for more in that 
15 to 18 carry uh, a game type. Uh, he didn't see that. And I don't know if he's going to see that this year either because this team is going to be really fucking bad. Uh, and so like, this is a team that, you know, we're going to want to target in like DFS and, um, you know, that defense and stuff like that. So they're going to be playing from a highlight, which is good for, for him as a pass catcher because he's certainly the best pass catcher they have. And he's going to get more work there. He was also 11th in yards per reception. Like I said, 6th in yards per route run. Um, so, you know, as a pass catcher, he was great. But, you know, we'll see here, you know, how this offense plays out. And I think for people, I think that's probably the biggest hang-up for him is because of that. But I do think the market has changed early on because of the Dan Campbell hype, talking about wanting to get him 25 touches a game, which would be great. But I just don't see how it's going to happen with how bad this defense is unless they're able to just – uh, really turn this thing around in one year, and I highly doubt that happens. Yeah, I, I can definitely see the touchdown total coming down from 10. And so whatever he increases from a, a carry standpoint and a yardage standpoint, uh, receptions will probably stay around, you know, 50. So, yeah, I, I, I completely agree that there's so much unknown. Touchdowns go down, rushing goes up. It's probably just a wash, and he's he's pretty close to where he was last year. His his overall picture in this, in this offense, I, I think, is – especially as the pass catcher is safe. I mean, we had Anthony Lynn come out saying he wants to establish the run. And I, you know, I, I think that's what he does intend to do. If you look back to his time with Buffalo, the, I, I think the carries were just over, I think like 50, 60% in favor of shady. I mean, he was splitting carries with Mike Gillisley, Carlos Williams, Jonathan Williams, you know, so, some throwback names there for you. But in terms of the targets, it was Shady, and, like, that was basically it. Uh, 2016 in particular, Shady had 57 targets, and then Gillisley had 11. So if that's going to kind of be the the role that he plays, I think he'll be, you know, he'll be fine for, for PPR purposes. But if you're playing in a standard league, I'm definitely not taking DeAndre Swift at uh, at 12 there. So moving things down on the list, let's get in. Let's well, for, let, let, here, here's the easy one. Let's talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think you know we're, we're all in agreement that he's in for for a bounce back year again. RB eighteen. He's the lowest of this you know the, this top group here before you get that break to Dylan at RB twenty seven. I think it, you know if he sticks around in this range, you know obviously we're talking about some of the the rookies that are going to be coming into the fold as well. He is going to be a massive value here at RB eighteen with an ADP of thirty point three. And the the crazy thing is, is, I think we just put way too much hype and expectation on him, especially after Damian Williams opted out. Like every he was going in the first round all of a sudden, and it was just wheels the fuck up for him. Like if you thought that hype couldn't have gotten any crazier whenever he got drafted to KC at the end of the first, the only running back with first round draft pedigree and everybody was talking about him. Then Damian Williams is like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm going to opt out this year. And then everyone just lost their goddamn minds, but he still finished as RB 19 only played in 13 games. You know, we, we knew he was a really good pass catcher and we thought that we were going to see, you know, a lot of creativity in the screen game and things like that. in the Andy Reid offense, he only had 36 catches but I think he is primed for the breakout. Uh, you know, Kev, I'll throw it to you as the KC fan here. Uh, just, just give me your thoughts on Clyde before we get into something. I think it might might take a little, little, little longer and have some more disagreements with uh, with J Rob next. 
I think he's a steal. I, I think he's an absolute steal right now. People are undervaluing now. And exactly what you said is exactly what happened. Everybody overvalued him last year and had him as a top 10, top five, you know, a running back last year. He didn't meet expectation. So everybody knocked him down. I'm hearing a lot of, oh, he's terrible. He's not any good. The Chiefs, you know, he's a bust. The Chiefs made a huge mistake with taking him first overall, like I, or in the first round, which, you know, you can argue, you know, was he the right pick in the first round, whatever. But he was not a bust last year. 1,100 total yards, five touchdowns, and only 13 games. Uh, you know, in terms of if you stack him up uh, to, to all the other running backs, at least the ones that were drafted, um, you know, I think you could you could make a case that he had one of the better years outside of really, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor in terms of consistency and probably DeAndre Swift. Like uh, he 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 was not a guy that was like having boom weeks, but he was consistently getting you fantasy points when he was on the field. He is going to get more involved in the offense. I think there's something to be said about that he didn't have you know an off season um, to to really get ready. I was surprised that they didn't use him in some of the wheel routes, some of the stuff that they did that they do with like Damian Williams. I was surprised they didn't do that with him. I don't know why that is, but I mean, he still was targeted. I mean, he was 14th in targets among all, um, among all running backs. So there's nothing wrong there. The seventh in yards per reception at 8.2 yards per reception. So, you know, the hate for Clyde Edwards has gone way too far. And if he's going to get, be a third round guy this year, give me that all day. Because right now he's coming off the board, like RB 18, RB 19. And that's just fucking ridiculous. This all this Chiefs offense is going to be just as good, if not better than really than what it was this past year. Um, I think they probably address the offensive line. It sounds like uh, Mitchell Schwartz, who is one of the people, have to remember too. So this Chiefs offense last year was missing their right guard. Uh, LDT opted out because he is a doctor and he went and dealt with the, the pandemic. So they were missing their starting right uh, their right guard. They uh, Mitchell Schwartz, who's arguably the best right tackle in all of football, only played in six games, dealt with a back injury the rest of the year, never came back. He is getting back surgery and is expected to be back for next year. So this offensive line was just a uh, just a, just a a mess all year, right? It wasn't just the Super Bowl. I know it, was, uh, it became exaggerated in the Super Bowl, but it was a problem all year. So you don't have the running backs, uh, or you don't have the offensive line either. And so th- these were all issues for, for, for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. All that's going to change. The Chiefs are definitely going to take a wide receiver in the first Hundred picks. Um, I would rather them trade back and and you know acquire more more capital because this wide receiver class is so deep. But you add another wide receiver here, this offense takes a, a, a step forward next year. And Clyde Edwards-Helaire, you know, could it very very well be a top twelve running back next year? The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, Kev, just one question to add uh, to that for you. Um, a cap casualty candidate, Damian Williams, you could, they can save $2.2 million if they cut him. Do you think they keep him on the roster or will they cut him and maybe bring in a day three guy like 
Ramonde Stevenson or somebody who maybe has that that power back to complement CEH really well. I think you, you probably see them just bring back um, uh, Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams is a restricted free agent. Nobody's going to sign him to anything. Mm-hmm. And so they, they'll sign him to a super cheap deal, and they'll bring him back, and I think you'll see Damian Williams gone. Uh, you know, David Williams is young. David Williams is now probably 30 years old. I mean, he was already an older older guy anyway. So uh, unless unless Damian Williams decides to restructure that deal, which is possible, because, again, he's not getting anything on the open market. So it's possible that, you know, that he could, you know, restructure it to, you know, a team-friendly deal and that he stays on the roster. But that's about it because I can't – There's like, yeah, like I said, there's not going to be a whole lot of teams that are lining up for Damian Williams' services. Uh, so that's that, that's that's certainly a possibility. But I would, I would venture to guess it's probably going to be Daryl Williams as the number two. As long as Daryl Williams is not out there on third and long running hit running routes while Clyde Edwards Alaire is on the sideline, that was very frustrating to watch. So hopefully they rectify that in 2021. Let's not forget about Darwin Thompson, right? Like, hey, Darwin Thompson's still lurking and he, he's still there, right? Like are we Darwin. are we still doing that? Is is this still is this still thing? Darwin the dynasty darling, baby. <laughs> My God. All right. Let's let's get into some of the the battle here. I think it's going to be where we have the the biggest back and forth. Robbie, I will give you the floor first since Kev just got to talk about uh, you know KC. Maybe we soften soften him up a little bit. James Robinson. This is this is Kev's guy standing for him. You know, all year last year. Where do you fall on on the J Rob love or lack thereof? I mean, I think if we're talking redraft and, and as we sit right now, I. I'm perfectly fine with James Robinson. He's up there probably at running back four, which I think he comes in on this list at running back four. So I'm right uh, there consistent on him. Um, I, I The, the question is, is the reason I have questions on him is we have a change of coach. We have a, a change of offensive system and we have a running back room after him that is completely garbage, probably one of the worst after James Robinson. That means they will likely bring someone in either via free agency or the draft. And so when you have those type of questions, as I said with Jonathan Taylor, no real questions. He's going to be running back one. Uh, that's why he's up there for me. Uh, what holds back James Robinson right now is I just think there's a lot of questions to what that offensive looked like. Um, are we going to see an Urban Meyer spread offense where they're running RPOs, they're running 85% from the shotgun? Because that's not what James Robinson does. He's more of an eye back, uh, north and south kind of guy. Um, I'm not sure if that's the best fit for him. And then on top of that, if we see um, him lose any type of touches, if they bring in a guy in the first or not, probably not the first round, but the second or third round, uh, a Michael Carter or, or a Kylan Hill, maybe in day three, someone who um, is, is uh, more of a pass catcher. Does he lose some of those reps? We saw his last two games before he got injured. His uh, snap share was two of the lower um, ones that he had all year with 54 and 62% of the snaps. And he, and he lost a little bit of passing work to Dare Gumbel, Daria Gumbawale. So um, there are some 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 worries there on, on why he could um, maybe fall down after we see free agency in the draft. But if if they don't really address that and James Robinson is kind of the only show in town again, he's going to vault right back up for me because that's my real worry um, that and, and the potential offense changing. Kev, thoughts? I think a lot of people look at James Robinson and I think echo what you think and that or maybe even to more extreme of uh, oh, there's no way that the, the Jaguars are going to stick with him. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna draft a running back early. They're gonna sign a running back, and and that's what they're gonna do. And the uh, 
and then, you know the new coaching regime has has no uh, loyalty to him. So why would they? Why, why would they stick with him? He was an undrafted guy. Blah blah blah. blah. What? I don't give a shit that he was undrafted. I, I really don't. <laughs> you go out and you rush for a thousand yards and, and drop you know three hundred and fifty yards receiving in your in your rookie year. I don't care where you were drafted at this point. It doesn't matter anymore. Like he, he's proven that he can that he can be a reliable running back. It, after that, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, what, what, what does it matter? Because they don't have anybody else. Like, so, like, he's he's proven, and he proved it with one of the worst fucking offenses in all of football last year. Like, that that he can be dynamic. And, that he, like, it, it would be scary to think what he would have done had this Jacksonville offense been good. And they felt so comfortable with releasing Leonard Fournette because of James Robinson. He was getting hype all, all offseason last year, but nobody pays attention to Jacksonville and, and their running back room. And they, they were talking about him all, all training camp last year about how good he was looking. And if you look at him, um, one area you brought up is that he doesn't really do anything from shotgun. Well, 30% of his carries came from shotgun last year, and he averaged 6.5 yards per carry uh, while, 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 while in shotgun carry rate. So I do think he can definitely do that. He's proven he's a, he's a very, very, very capable pass catcher. Um, 49 receptions, which was something I don't think a lot of people thought that that he had in him to be able to do. He looked very confident as a pass catcher, as a runner. I think adding Trevor Lawrence is only going to help this offense. I think this offense takes a, a decent step forward this year. It's not going to be you know some elite offense, but I think with DJ Chark, with probably adding some more weapons here with Urban Meyer, I think this offense can be one that I think is low key can put up some points here. And I think James Robinson is, is definitely going to be back. I think he's definitely the starter. I'm not worried about them taking a running back in the second round. It would be ridiculous. Why would you do that? It, it would be terrible team management to do that when you have a running back who just did what he did, who cost nothing. To bring in a running back ahead of him, again, would be terrible team management, terrible cat management. When you well, Why do that when you absolutely hit the lottery with James Robinson? There's no reason to do so. You're not a playoff team. You're not going to the Super Bowl. Right, so none of those things are in the range of possibilities for the Jaguars. So there's no reason to sit there and do anything like that and invest that when you have somebody. Let's you give him another year, you see what he can do. Do, do they bring in another guy? Who cares? I don't. And, and if as long as it's not like Aaron Jones or James Conner or something like that, somebody that could really threaten him, I don't care who it is. But I guarantee you, what's going to happen? I don't care who they draft. They could draft, you know. Larry Roundtree in the sixth round, and people are going to be like, oh, here we go, boys. Okay, this is going to be the guy. He's going to take his job. I guarantee it. This is what we see all the time with these guys. People, When people expect, and they're just waiting to confirm their bias with James Robinson, as soon as they take somebody, whoever it is, I don't care what bum it is, that's what they're going to do. And people are going to be like, just like Darwin Thompson's the perfect fucking example. And he's that guy is going to get the Darwin Thompson treatment, and it's fucking stupid. And I can't fucking stand it. And that's why it's going to be with James Robinson. But James Robinson is going to drop his motherfucking nuts on the table in 2021 and say, suck it, bitches. Yeah, definitely don't hear what I'm not saying. Um, I think if and when they do bring somebody in, I don't think it is to take over James Robinson's role. Um, I think he was obviously extremely productive. Um, but I, I do think we saw um, what an elite season can look like from him. And I, I'm not sure there's any way, but he either stays pretty close to that where he's a top 12 guy or he goes down if we do see someone with high enough draft capital um, get brought in. So not saying someone's coming in to, to take his job, but uh, taking away snaps and taking away uh, the ever important passing down work is something that is to, um, it does, it's an actual concern um, for Jacksonville. 
I think for just to throw my two cents in here and we'll kind of start to, to wrap things up. I don't think it's necessarily a foregone conclusion that they take someone, you know, day one, day two, but that running back group is fucking thin. There is nobody behind it. They, they have to address that. The, the key is just going to be to, to what extent, to what degree, like I was saying, unless it's a, an Aaron Jones or somebody like that. But with, you know, I think they have four picks in the top 50 with some of the trades they've yep. uh, they've made over the past uh, over the past year or so, so like they they could bring in somebody in the in the third or at the top of the fourth, and I don't look at James Robinson as you know some guy who can't be pushed. I don't look you know he really saw it all around, not taking anything away from him, but he doesn't have anything where it's just like he's he's above replacement level. Would it be absolutely asinine for them to take a, a running back in the second round? Yes. But I, I do think they bring somebody in, like I said, third third round, top of the fourth, that could potentially push him. And then the other thing that, that I would be worried about with him is it's wild with how bad they were last year and the amount of volume that he got. He was first in opportunity share, sixth in carries. Obviously, the, the targets and catches, you know, go along with them being such a bad team. But six and carries, like I said, first an opportunity share. If if that starts to go down a little bit, whether or not he's splitting time with another back, that would be my worry with him. And then the last thing I'll say is I do not understand the love for him in dynasty circles. Like I really just don't I do not get that one with this particular group. Miss me and all that. He's at the bottom of 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 these guys if you want to put why? him why though why though tell me why because you're, 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 without using without using without using draft capital as an argument why because i'm not betting on an outlier there's nothing he does that like is like oh shit you can't take him off off the field but he, like, was. I, I like, was, like, he was like he was he was uber efficient last year sixth in yards created fifth in evaded tackles like i mean he was he was arguably arguably the best rookie running back last year of all these guys like like and I don't think it's really a debate. Yes, Jonathan Taylor had a stronger finish to the season on a much better team, but through the entire season, there was a running back that was better than him in this class. But it's the same mindset, the same thing of well, this guy's an undrafted guy; he's going to get replaced, so I'm not going to bet on that. He's already he's already beat that. He, he's he already is an outlier. So to say that that I'm not betting on an outlier, he already has done that. It's such a rare thing for an undrafted free agent to get the opportunity that he got. And it's not like he was just like, man, like, okay, whatever. He went out and had seven or 800 rushing yards and then, you know, had a hundred receiving yards and like four touchdowns or whatever. Like he, like he arguably in only 14 games, like he easily probably would have surpassed and probably would end up having like 12, 1300 yards rushing somewhere in that range and probably 500 yards receiving. If that was Jonathan, if that was any other running back in this class, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But the only answer is because he's undrafted. That's the only reason. 100% that's the reason. Whether you realize it or not, that's the reason. Because if it was any of these other guys, we would be having this conversation. And to me, he's already beat that. He's already beat the outlier status. He's already done that with, 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 with what he's done, what he did last year on a bad team. Yes, he had more opportunities. Um than maybe what, what you would typically expect from a team that was that bad. But regardless of that, he was uber efficient with, with, the, with, the, with the touches he had. And so, again, the only argument and the only case for him against him is, is, is that one thing and that he was an undrafted free agent. And that's it. Which, which is a big thing. And I would also say Jonathan Taylor, Colts are not drafting a running back. No. 
Cam Akers, they're not drafting a running back. DeAndre Swift, they are not drafting a running back. J.K. Dobbins, they are not drafting a running back. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, they're not drafting a running back. I don't James know about Robinson, that. James Robinson, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I think they definitely will take one. Late. I, I think, like I said earlier, Ramondi Stevenson, I think would be great there. Great tandem, but that's a late pick. James Robinson, I can't say the same thing. If it would not, I'm not, I'm not calling this, but it would not surprise me if ETN falls to their early second pick. If they swoop in and they take ETN to pair with Trevor Lawrence, I would. Urban Meyer would absolutely love that with a spread offense. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it doesn't. It's it's a thought that crosses my mind that they could absolutely take. A, a, a high level running back or even a mid level running back, which is right. my bigger but the case. Reason I'm is because he's undrafted, but that, that's the reason, right? I also think hey, he's, he's just a, he's, he's a jag. Like, like, like there's nothing that he does. It's like that whenever you watch him, there's nothing like outside of the efficiency numbers. Whenever you watch him, there's nothing you watch him do and say, Holy shit, you have to keep him on the field for that. So for, for dynasty, you can say that about a lot of these guys, I mean, you, you could, I mean, how, how much of that can you say about these other guys? These other for guys dynasty, have the draft capital. Nobody knew who James Robinson was heading into last year. Nobody did. Right. He was a complete outlier for most people. Nobody, most people are like, who the fuck's this guy? Right. So because people didn't know who he is, and, and so that just lowers whatever everybody's expectation, everybody's views of him are. Like I said, I, I watched plenty of James Robinson last year. I was like, God damn, this guy's fucking good. How, how, did, how did he go undrafted? Because, I mean, he, he made some plays, especially at his size. Um, some, some, I know there were, there were some receptions that he made. That I was like, God damn, that was fucking impressive what he just did there. Some runs that were super impressive. Again, you know, with an offense that was fucking led with Mike fucking Lennon and Gardner fucking Minshew and – you know, he turned a really bad situation. I don't think you that you, you would if you would put other grinding backs there. But that again, it's it's, it's, it's all it is. It's it is what it is. It, he was undrafted. So nobody's going to value him the same because he wasn't a second or third or fourth round pick. But it doesn't really matter because teams will just as quickly cut a second or third or fourth round pick after a year. It happens all the time. It happens they every don't. year. That's the thing, though. They they cut undrafted free agents so much more right. quicker. But the thing is, the, the thing is the though, point. and that's where the argument comes in though, is that he's already beat that. You're, you're making an argument because we talk about undrafted guys because most of those guys are just roster fillers or just training camp bodies. And then they get released. Most of them don't make the team. Right. But to say, we cannot sit here and say that we've never seen undrafted phrases come out of nowhere. There, there's been plenty of very them rare. I can name them off the top of my head because that's how rare it is. We're talking Arian Foster, Austin, Eckler, how- Fred Jackson, Philip Lindsay, End of list. Like there's there's a handful of guys, and you know how long they last? Two or three years. Philip Lindsay. They brought in Melvin Gordon, uh, Austin Eckler. He'll never have the entire workload. I think Austin Eckler is completely different because he's vo- he's past volume base, so that's what keeps his uh, volume up. But um, when Cody talks about what's that special thing that you that he does that you can't replace, you can't replace that from Austin Eckler. That is a A plus trait from him. Um, so yeah, you can. That, that's why it's so rare because I can name them. So, again, you're right. He he had an amazing season. He set the bar there. Um, definitely an outlier. Dynasty-wise, I'm not going to bet on that long term. Can he do it for a year, maybe two years? Absolutely. They will eventually bring in a running back. His number of targets, his number of rushes, his number of snap share will probably come down. Will he still be the starter? Could be. Will he split work? Very likely. Yeah. T- 2021. I, I think I have him at like three or four for this year, but for dynasty purposes, like if I'm projecting two years ahead of time, I I'm just like, I hope I'm wrong. Like I, I love these underdog stories coming out of nowhere. He has himself an Arian Foster like career or somebody like that. But for, for dynasty purposes, like give me these other guys ahead of him 
every single day. For like I said, 2021, all, all for it. Dynasty purposes. Get the fuck out. All right, we are the, at the, the 40- disrespect, the utter disrespect. But move forward, move on. Yeah, okay. I, I'm going to. Your, I'm going to because I want to. I'm going moving. You I'm and your draft forward. capital. No, I'm allowing uh, you to. Just remember that. <laughs> do you guys have anything else you want to touch on? You know, we we already kind of talked about Dobbins. I think we're on this the same camp here as far as you know our, our worries with him and you know just kind of being touchdown dependent. If you look at the the end of his. Uh, the, the the last couple of weeks of his season, I don't think he had – he only had one double-digit PPR game where he did not score a touchdown. So all those – all the great fantasy points you see at the end of the year, those were super touchdown dependent. Uh, you know, wasn't wasn't really getting it done in terms of his rushing outside of like that one game where he went for like what a, like a buck fifty, buck thirty, something like that. Um, any thoughts on Vaughn Moss – uh, AJ Dillon before we start to wrap this up and get out of here. I just, I just love how you just, just completely gloss over Anthony McFarlane. You know, he was a rookie last year too. Mr. Yards created. Okay. I am glad I am editing this because that's just going to be completely cut out. Anthony McFarland is a fucking zero. He couldn't get, we're, we're not talking about Anthony McFarland, Dillon, Vaughn, Moss, any any thoughts on those guys or if you? Have well, let's, any- let's be honest. Let's be let's be honest. I mean, AJ Dill or AJ Dillon is not deserving the same breath with his other guys because in two weeks from now, AJ Dillon goes from twenty uh, seventh or RB twenty seven right around there to probably a top ten running back. Like that's how far he is going to jump if Aaron Jones signs with somebody else, right? Like you're talking about AJ Dillon in a in an Aaron Rodgers offense. He's going to be a top 10, top 12. The hype is going to get real with him. We saw him in limited opportunity when he had last year, when he started last year and he exploded. Guarantee it. Book it now. He will be a top 12 running back in terms of redraft this year. People are going to fall over themselves, all over themselves for him. He's going to get all the goal line opportunities there. He's proven to be at least a decent pass catcher uh, in limited volume opportunities last year as well. There's, Like I said, they may bring back Jamal Williams. They may not. Whether they do or they don't, it's going to be AJ Dillon season, and he is probably going to catapult up above uh, at least two or three of these guys that we've talked about tonight. I agree with that statement. If both leave, if Jamal Williams is there, they they like Jamal Williams as much as we say Jag and, and use the term Jag. I think he's an absolute Jag, but they continually get him receptions. They continually give him carries. Um, we saw that with Aaron Jones. We were always pounding the table for Aaron Jones to get more work in that offense. Um, that. That offensive system um, works for for Jamal, and, and I think that offense likes him. So if he is resigned, it's a little bit more split, I think, than you're making it out to be. And I don't think he gets quite to top twelve just because of of what I would say is going to be a little bit more of a split backfield. First and second down, Dylan. Third down, probably more Jamal Williams. Um, but you're right; if both of them are gone, we could definitely see a meteoric rise uh, for AJ Dylan. It didn't really bother me if if if. Uh... Jamal Williams resigns. I th- yeah, he'll get work. He'll get 30 or 30, 35% of the touches um, from that backfield for sure. Um, but I mean, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are just two completely different running backs, right? I mean, it, it, just in terms of body size, uh, I actually love Aaron Jones, obviously, and he's one of the most efficient running backs in the league. Like, he is kind of, if you want to call it like the, he was the, he's kind of the next Jamal Charles, just how efficient that he's been throughout his career. Um, but obviously AJ Dillon's 200 and almost 50 pounds. So uh, I think you could probably lock him in for the first and second down work. 
And, you know, he'll probably lose some third down work, stuff like that. But he's definitely 1,000% the goal line back. And so in that offense, you know, if they add some, you know, or maybe they, they do something smart this year. I don't know. I'm not going to put it past them that maybe they take a wide receiver this year. I don't know. To give it Aaron <laughs> Rodgers would be, would be great because Al Lazard and MVS are not it. Um, they, they need to add a wide receiver this year. They should have done it last year. But, hey, you know, they took Jordan Love regardless of that. But. He's going to be at at worst. He's a top fifteen running back next year. Yeah, I think I think just the if we're talking again, I think when we generally talk about this, we're we're leaning PPR at least half PPR yeah, right. when we say these things. That's what keeps him lower than that for me. If Jamal, uh, yeah, Jamal Williams is still there, he won't get the passing down work like Aaron Jones did, which. Aaron Jones was always right around 50 receptions, 49 receptions, and then he had the touchdowns on top, and that's why you saw he was running back two, running back three. He was always up there. If you take those 50 receptions down to 2025, which is where I think Dylan would be, you know, we're looking at a a back end, probably yeah, top uh, 15-ish pick. So, um, yeah, we're not too far off there. Let's assume, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up on this. Let's assume that Leonard Fournette is out in Tampa Bay and it's just Rojo and Vaughn. Uh, any any interest in him? Because obviously if Fournette comes back, that just puts Vaughn right back down to the doghouse and we're not, we're not really considering him. But if Fournette is gone, do we have any interest in Vaughn? Obviously, if he stays around this ADP, you're not losing anything if you take him at RB63. But how much further would you have him if Fournette is at a tan. Definitely a, a dynasty buy, like I said at the beginning. Um, and, and I also think he's a sneaky redraft guy. Um, probably won't be as sneaky once uh, if Leonard Fournette does leave town. Um, you know, you know, Kev's even buying into Ronald Jones. You know, he, he says he's drafting him everywhere he can in best ball. So Kev's about the Rojo, Keyshawn Vaughn lifestyle there. Um, in Tampa. So yeah, I think Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, if Leonard Fournette leaves town, which I think he will, um, he's one injury away from being um, the guy there. So I definitely like Keyshawn Vaughn worth where he's going right now. Yeah, uh, for sure. I will have to wait and see as long as they don't sign anybody like Leonard, like as long as Leonard Fournette does not come back, I think they will because uh, for whatever reason, I mean, they, they clearly hate Ronald Jones, uh, which I mean, who can blame him? I mean, I can't blame Bruce Aaron for hating Ronald Jones either. You know, I wouldn't want him out there that much either. But regardless just of that, looks amazing. Every time he gets work, he just looks amazing. But then you know they just they just rip that motherfucking carpet right off from under his ass. I, every time it's it's like clockwork with him. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think Keyshawn Vaughn definitely is uh, somebody that people should at least be keeping an eye on to see how things pan out because he could be uh, kind of a steal there um, for them. And Zach Moss is dead, so like you know, no one's excited about Zach Moss. Uh, pour one out for the the Zach Moss Zach Moss truthers who thought that he was good. It's kind of like Daryl Henderson, pretty much. Um, kind of the same people. It's weird uh, the people that thought that and were wrong. I will say Daryl Henderson did what most of us thought he would and held the reins for the first half of the season and and kind of staved off Cam Akers. Was that really though? Cam, I mean, Cam Akers got hurt. I mean, what do you like tears rib cartilage or something like that? Like. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, he so. did have an injury in there, um, but yep, definitely an Acres show from here on out. Maybe some Eno Benjamin in twenty twenty one. My God, Cody, lead us home. That is going to wrap it up. Uh, drop a comment if you're watching on YouTube. Let us know who your favorite second year guy is, who you agreed with, who you disagreed with. 
If you're checking us out on podcast form, if you would leave us a rate and review, that would surely be swell. It would mean a lot to us. And uh, make sure you're checking out all of our uh, all of our contents coming out. We got you from Redraft, Best Ball, Dynasty, NFL Draft, Rookie Stuff. We got it all. So keep it locked in here. Hit us with that subscribe. Make sure you are subscribed on YouTube and across podcast platforms. You can also reach out to us on social at any time. You can find us on Twitter at FF underscore authority. And you can find us over on the gram at the Fantasy Authority. So until next time, we will talk to you all soon. 20 minutes. minutes without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call click granger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.